0: You're listening to KZOM, only public radio. Recording by Douglas W. Taylor, Port Townsend, Washington, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Papa Actor. Astounding Stories 15, March 1931, by various Phalanxes of Atlans, by F. V. W. Mason, what has gone before and chapter 7 Victor Nelson and Richard Alden are forced down on a flight over an unexplored Arctic region. Returning from a hunt for food, Nelson finds his companion gone, but many footprints and blood splashes establish a clear trail to a tunnel, passing beneath a range of very high mountains on the edge of the unexplored area in following the trail nelson encounters and slays an allosaurus a terrible carnivorous species of dinosaur surviving from the cretaceous era then he presses on to presently emerge in an almost tropical valley and encounter a remnant of the long-lost atlantean race who are ruled by a dynasty of english-speaking kings descendants of sir henry hudson who had wandered into atlans after being abandoned by his men this valley in the arctic owes its existence to the thinness of the earth's crust which permits the interior heat to warm the surface the atlanteans are on the verge of war with another race the jarmuthians descended from the lost tribes of israel when nelson is transported to heliopolis the Atlantean capital, for trial. All strangers must prove their value to the state, or be condemned to feed the war monsters. Nelson soon discovers that Alden had been captured from the Atlanteans by the Jarmuthians. He strikes a bargain with Altorius, Emperor of Atlans he will undertake to fight any six of the enemy on condition he and alden will be released if successful altorius agrees to nelson's suggestion and makes a proposal to the jarmuthians heretofore he had been paying them an annual tribute of six maidens as price for the safety of altara sacred virgin of atlans whom jarmuth had captured in a previous war With Nelson's bargain in mind, he offers an increase of six maidens to the annual tribute if the American fails to defeat six Jarmuthian champions. On the other hand, if Nelson wins, all tribute will cease, Altara will not be sacrificed, and Alden is to be returned unharmed. On a dueling ground between the rival armies, Nelson, Armed with his Winchester rifle, sallies out to battle with the enemy, who, on their side, are armed with retortii, curious weapons hurling live steam, fungus bombs, swords and lances. The tricky Jarmuthians, however, mount their men on a diplodocus, a huge dinosaur some eighty seven feet in length. All seems lost, but By blinding the colossal creature, Nelson destroys its usefulness and, one by one, kills the six Jarmuthians. Stung with rage, the enemy disregard the terms of the contest and attack with their whole army. They are, however, defeated, and the conquered Jarmuthians sullenly turn over Alden and the captive maidens though Altara still remains in their possession. After making much of the Americans, Altorius reluctantly allows his preservers to depart for their plain, unconscious that the priestly party is planning rebellion against his authority because he did not insist on Altara's return. Chapter 7 that's one of the fixed retorties I was speaking about, remarked Victor Nelson, as he paused to point out a tapering brass tube, which was mounted on a platform above the long staircase up which he and Alden were toiling. It's a big brute. See how small the gunners look beside it? These steam guns are wonderful things. The younger aviator sighed i've had enough of miracles he said wiping his flushed features and hitching a small pack higher on his leather-clad shoulders all i want to do is to lay my weary eyes on the plain again what with these ghastly allosauri diplodocuses and other monsters i'm damn well fed up with this place nelson settled his winchester rifle more comfortably into the hollow of his arm Correct, so am I, but we can't say Altorius didn't do right by Arnell. Good Lord, what a triumph he gave us! The dark pilot's smile flashed from beneath his neat, close-clipped black mustache. Wait till Cartier gets a peep at those diamonds he gave us. Panting, the two halted by mutual consent. Ever see so many stairs? grunted Nelson three more flights and we'll be into the tunnel. Ah, there's the opening. I only hope these blighters haven't hurt the plane. Before resuming the climb, Nelson shifted his rifle, idly regarding the armored gunners just above. Then suddenly he stiffened his wiry body with a sharp cry. Look out, Dick! What the devil? Those damn fools ahead are swinging the retortii across our the dark-haired aviator's words were drowned out in a deafening hissing roar that burst from the great retortii's throat and his heart gave a great convulsive leap at the sight was this an accident or treachery an accident of course somehow he could not bring himself to think that altorius would break his pledged word projected in a shimmering white arm the scalding death vapor shot across the staircase its hot breath licking the faces of the startled and angry americans and quickly forcing them to turn and run downwards to avoid being scalded what the devil are these idiots trying to do gasped nelson anxiously eyeing the red-crested warriors who peering down through the blue lenses of their helmets watched the khaki-clad aviators, but made no effort to realign their retortii. eye. Hero Giles'll skin those fools alive if he hears of this. Guess we'd better wait a minute. They'll soon shut off the steam. Shielding his face from the steam clouds that obliterated all view of the staircase above, Alden stood watching the billowing steam clouds in silent awe. Terrible, aren't they, Vic? he remarked i've never seen those big fellows in action they make the portable variety look like water pistols as the steam barrier showed no signs of abating an uneasy gleam crept into nelson's dark eye and with jaw grimly set he cocked the winchester and turned with the intention of lodging a complaint at the next station below but to his utter dismay he beheld bronze-armored figures on the next platform now training their long-muzzled steam gun across the stair even as he sprang back the deadly white vapor hissed forth from the second retortii completely barring further retreat down the stair like an icy flood the chill of impending doom invaded nelson's soul This was no accidental discharge, for with the slightest change of direction in the deflection of either retortii, death would descend upon him and his companion. Swiftly speech became impossible, as the roar of the huge retortii was deafening. The two were lost in the heart of an opaque cloud which completely blotted out the copper-hued Atlantean sky. Hot blood surged into Nelson's head while he became aware of ghostly and stealthy figures advancing through the shimmering billows of vapor. Up, up they came like dream men, their eyes weird and unreal, cursing the treachery of their late host. Nelson and Alden watched dozens upon dozens of hoplites come swarming up the stairs in solid dully gleaming ranks. Apparently intent to take them prisoners, the foremost Atlanteans made a rush, giving the American time to fire just twice. Unable to retreat, the helpless aviators stood to meet the engulfing wave of hoplites. Nelson struck out as hard as he could at those yelling, red-bearded faces. Though he knew the effort was hopeless, he was dimly conscious that Alden, not far away, also fought with the vigor of despair. With a sense of savage satisfaction, the dark-haired aviator felt his fist impact solidly into a yelling, sweating face. Then something struck his head, and amid a miniature sunburst, his senseless form sank limply on the damp stones of the great staircase. After an interval... The length of which he did not know, Victor Nelson opened his eyes, slowly, for his head throbbed like a savage's war-drum. Uttering a stifled groan, he shut the lids to still an overpowering sense of nausea which gripped him, but a moment later he made another attempt to discover in what sort of place he found himself. Gradually, his eyes became accustomed to a curious orange-red glare beyond a series of bars. Bars? The idea fixed itself in his benumbed brain. Bars meant prison. Yes, those grim blank walls bore out the assumption. He lay on the damp stone floor of what must be a fairly spacious cell beneath his leather aviator's jacket he shuddered jail huh what a nice place to wake up in a groan from behind him prompted nelson to painfully raise his head and look about he blinked dazedly meanwhile trying to focus his eyes Then he heaved a faint sigh of relief as his gaze encountered the muscular, well-proportioned figure of Richard Alden, who half sat, half reclined against one of the gray stone walls, burying a ghastly pale face between trembling hands. "'You hurt?' To speak, Nelson drew a slightly deeper breath and at once became conscious of a horrible, throat-wrenching stench. Dimly he recalled having once before encountered such an odor. When was it? Oh, yes, during the Great War, when he'd stumbled into a dugout tenanted by long-unburied corpses. A cold finger stabbed at his brain. Corpses. Are you hurt, Dick? he repeated hoarsely. The lax figure stirred, and Alden's blonde head was raised slowly. I I don't know. His voice came very thickly. I'm still dizzy. What's happened? Damned if I know, but those bright boys have evidently heaved us into a calaboose of some kind nelson on peering about had discovered that one end of the cell was closed only by a series of massive bronze bars the two other walls were solid masonry while the fourth was also solid but fitted with a small oval door of bronze calaboos the hell you say alden coughed feebly my god but that steam was terrible stuff I nearly smothered before I got knocked out. Slowly, the younger aviator looked about, and suddenly his eyes widened in an expression of indescribable horror. Look! Alden's voice had died to a shaken whisper. My God, Nelson, we're finished. Look at that Allosaurus! following the line indicated by the pilot's shaking forefinger nelson peered out through the series of great bars while a shudder shook his aching body though he had seen these fearful monsters on many occasions yet it was never from such a position as that in which he now found himself to his ears came a sibilant hissing like that of a thousand serpents, and, quivering in every nerve, he forced his eyes open once again to discover that the cell which he and his companion occupied was but one of a series of cells surrounding a huge square in which were imprisoned perhaps twenty or thirty of those horrible gargoylesque creatures, which were the Atlantean dogs of war, some thirty-four feet in length, the enormous slate-gray monsters hopped leisurely about, their warty hides and huge luminous eyes betraying their reptilian origin. In shape, the Allosauri resembled loathsome and titanic kangaroos, as they lumbered awkwardly to and fro, picking viciously at what appeared to be fragments of human flesh and bones. While the two prisoners crouched, paralyzed with horror, one of the nightmarish creatures came hopping over and, pressing a head as big as a steam scoop against the bars, stared in with huge, pale green eyes. A long minute the ghastly creature remained looking in clearly outlined by the orange glow from outside the doomed aviators found something fearfully fascinating about those narrow vertical irises set in pupils the size of dinner plates uttering a deep growl the allosaurus shuffled nearer and impatiently rubbed its huge bullet head against the bars, then gripped the ponderous bronze bars with its ridiculously small front legs to shake the whole grillwork with a savagery that dislocated bits of plaster and made the metal reverberate. While Nelson and Alden shrank flat against the far wall, a scarlet tongue at least four feet long flicked the air, but a few feet from their bloodless, sweating visages. Becoming irritated at the sturdiness of the barrier, the mountainous reptile tugged harder and hissed, filling the cell with a foul exhalation that stank like the reeks of smoldering rags nelson's wavering consciousness reeled and a mad dreadful fear like that a dreamer suffers in the grip of nightmare invaded his being he felt the hairs rising on the nape of his neck but with a squall of rage the monster abandoned its futile efforts and leapt away painting indifference The Allosaurus picked up a half-gnawed skull with its tiny forelegs, and while the prisoners watched, it stuffed the head into a maw twice the size of an elephant's and crunched the gruesome tidbit as easily as a boy would a walnut. Presently it shuffled off to rejoin the hideous herd in the center of the court. Nice kind of a jail we've been thrown into. Wish I could understand what's happened. Alden buried his face in his hands. It kind of looks as though Altorius had a change of heart. Nelson replied nothing, but sat staring fixedly out into the horrible court. Somehow I don't think Altorius would do such a thing, he said at last. Let's think back and see if we can't piece this treachery together. Wish I had your faith in the Emperor, but I haven't. Alden's handsome face twisted itself into a wry smile. Let's see now, persisted Nelson, fingering a square jaw, upon which sprouted a thick growth of reddish bristles. There was a deputation of priests to see Altorius yesterday, They were clamoring for the return of Altara, the sacred virgin, and looked pretty mad when he put them off. Maybe this is the private doing of the priests, admitted Alden. Anyway, we're in one devil of a fix. There's certainly no way out of this calaboose, and those damned brutes out there look hungry. Nelson frowned, deep in thought. Wish I could find a reasonable explanation. I really don't think it's altorious. Still, that's what you get for mixing in on the politics of these forgotten kingdoms. But, reminded the other, you had no choice, old lad. Remember, you mixed in to save me. From across the courtyard rang a loud, penetrating shriek of fear that made the two aviators spring to their feet and rush to the bars. Peering across the court, they discovered three naked men shrieking and clinging frantically to the bars of an exactly similar cell. "'What's wrong with them?' demanded Alden, as the agonized screams rang louder still. "'I don't know,' was Alden's breathless reply. "'But what's that noise?' A curious metallic clanking sound filled the poisoned air." and for a moment Nelson remained utterly puzzled. Then, as the noise grew louder, the Allosauri commenced to betray a strange restlessness. They ceased basking and feeding, and their hideous heads commenced to dart quickly this way and that. While the terrific shrieks of the wretches across the court rang to the copper-hued sky, the two Americans remained in doubt. Then, all at once, The chill of death gripped their hearts, as they saw the bars of that cell directly opposite, slowly but surely rising. Uttering heartrending cries, the doomed prisoners clung frantically to stay the vanishing barrier, separating them from those appalling man-eaters. But disdainful of their pitiful efforts, the bronze bars rose relentlessly, with metallic rattlings and janglings from some unseen mechanism. Rooted to the floor, both Americans watched the distant grill vanish into the upper stonework and heard the ghastly hissing as the allosaur I heard commenced to move forward. Sick and shaken, Nelson beheld one of the doomed men, cling in desperation to the bars he was lifted clear of the floor and borne towards the ceiling meanwhile venting his terror with such screams as could otherwise have risen only from an inquisitor's torture chamber the tragedy was swiftly completed half a dozen of the nearest allosauri taller than any giraffes, suddenly sprang forward, their long naked tails rising as their gait increased. Snarling horribly, the vast slate-colored beasts plunged into the cell, terminating shrieks of mortal terror. Backs broader than bus tops squirmed and tugged. Then one of the loathsome monsters reappeared, carrying in its dripping jaws a mangled yet struggling victim much as a cat carries a mouse in a trice the other allosauri came rushing eagerly up seeking to snatch the prey from the first monster nelson stiffened great god and that's what'll happen to us weakened by his head wound and blind with nausea he stumbled to the rear of the cell to collapse upon a pile of foul straw, littered with equipment which the superstitious captors must have condemned together with the owners. Nelson sank upon them, then stiffened, for his outflung hand had encountered a hard, familiar outline. It was a forty-five automatic pistol, A moment's furious search revealed that the captors had missed or not understood the use of the weapon in Alden's leather flying coat. "'God, but we're lucky,' Nelson panted. "'The Atlanteans never saw this pistol of yours. "'They're only used to my rifle.' Hope lit Alden's features, then faded. "'But what good is a forty-five against brutes like those? "'Might as well have a pop-gun.' "'Still we're lucky.' grunted nelson delighted to find the magazine yet filled can't tell what's ahead yes we're the luckiest he broke off in quick alarm from overhead had come a premonitory clang somewhere a tackle whined and with a sense of suffocation both men realized that now the bars of their prison were beginning to creep up into a long slit in the stone ceiling. Cold fingers of fear clutched Nelson's heart as the terrible allosauri, their jaws yet dripping redly, wheeled about at the familiar sound to stand listening. Up and up crept the ponderous grill while the allosauri commenced to shuffle forward, fixing on their next victims enormous, unblinking green eyes. While the whole loathsome cell spun about, Victor Nelson forced stiff fingers to throw off the safety catch as the nearest Allosaurus opened its cavernous mouth in anticipation, displaying an array of curved teeth as long and sharp as bayonets. Standing some fifteen feet high at the shoulder, as the horrible creature's body was, it all but blotted out the light. The bars rose inexorably. Now they were waist high, now above Nelson's head. In a moment would come the rush. Richard Alden stood up straight and squared his shoulders. Goodbye, Vic he said in clear, unafraid tones. I don't imagine that forty-five will even tickle those ghastly brutes. Nelson nodded. All over but the cheering, he replied, with that strange macabre humour which often comes to solace men about to die. See in church, there was an equally gallant lightness to Alden's reply. The dark-haired pilot, with a curious, detached sense of unreality, stepped into the middle of the room, the automatic in his hand seeming no more potent than a water pistol, for a ponderous, lambent-eyed monster was now hopping forward. While minute particles of dust and dirt rained down from the disappearing barrier, the foremost Allosaurus opened its enormous jaws, uttered an eerie scream, and charged straight at the unbarred cell drawing a deep breath nelson raised the forty five sighted and remembering his former experience fired at the enormous right eye as in a dream he felt the recoil the monster neither slowed nor swerved in the least though its great saucer-like eye disintegrated horribly immediately nelson swiftly sighted at the other eye and fired just as the allosaurus shadow filled the threshold crack a swirl of bitter smoke stung the aviator's staring eyes he'd hit he knew it Cyclopean moments followed as the blinded monster dashed forward, missed the circular door, and, butting his head against the stone wall to the left, fell completely stunned, effectively blocking the doorway with its huge body. One enormous hind leg, fully ten feet long and equipped with three razor-like claws, projected into the cell and lashed aimlessly back and forth, forcing the two prisoners to dodge wildly. There ensued that indescribable kind of a moment when men go mad. Outside the cell the ravenous herd pounced upon their fallen mate, and with hideous grunts and snarls promptly commenced to tear it apart. The shaken prisoners realized that the rending jaws would before long undoubtedly remove the temporary obstacle, but, meanwhile, the hideous hissing and the fetid stench of the allosauri breath made the cell a madhouse gradually the gigantic carcass at the door commenced to quiver and roll violently under the ferocious tugs of the eager feasters a gap of light appeared over the huge haunches and all at once another of those terrible heads slipped over the carcass and into the cell again the forty-five thundered lighting the darkened cell with a brief orange flame a noise like the furious trumpeting of a dozen elephants nearly blew nelson flat as the wounded monster drew back its head but the respite promised to be short for the other reptiles only redoubled their horrid cannibalistic rending of the carcass when the barrier was removed there would be a general rush which the shaken aviators could not hope to stay suddenly alden uttered a low shout and pointed to the small oval door which had up to this point, remained securely bolted and shut. It was swinging gradually open, rimmed with a strong reddish light. Wide-eyed and with black hair streaming like over his forehead, Nelson, in the act of reloading, swung about to meet this new menace. Hell, what point was there in prolonging the pitiful struggle? What was happening? Slowly the door swung back, and a rosy glow lit the opening, a glow that became as strong as the gleam of a spotlight. Then, slowly, a glittering green-crested helmet of highly polished bronze appeared, and under it, Hero Giles' familiar features, now distorted by a terrible fear. The blue eyes seemed enormous. "'Quickly!' he called. "'Quick, or you're lost!' unbelieving of the reprieve both the aviators stared an instant at that martial figure clad in brazen armor liberally studded with enormous diamonds and emeralds then leapt forward with the speed of desperation for from behind came a fierce squalling from the allosauri as he darted towards the door nelson had a glimpse of the carcass blocking the door commencing to slip sideways Alden was already out, and Nelson sped through the door barely in time to escape the razor sharp talons of the foremost Allosaurus as it scrambled into the deserted cell with a resounding bellow of disappointed fury. End of What Has Gone Before, and Chapter 7. Recording by Douglas W. Taylor, Port Townsend, Washington.
1: Thank you, everyone, for being patient for these these uh, current and upcoming episodes. Uh, had a rash of sickness and uh, family issues currently, and yeah, so uh, I, I I now present you with uh, March. An early April on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We would also like to welcome Gretchen Martin uh, to the cast of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. She is, I don't know, I I, I guess uh, one of our our other horror movie experts and comics uh, and uh, uh, manga and uh, a lot of uh, other stuff. And, yeah, no, no. Uh, so, welcome, Gretchen, and check us out on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos at PGTTCM, pgttcm.com, at pgttcm.com. Uh, just search any of those, you'll find us eventually. <laughs> We're on Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, and Gretchen's on, Gretchen is weird, I believe, on Instagram. So, check her out. Uh, Dave's Corner of the Universe is Dave's website. Uh, He's not linking anything from us to him, but we link to him. So, check out his past articles, give him some love, maybe he'll write some more stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, if you like this show, share it. Let other people know that you like it. Uh, Let me know if you like it. Uh, You can contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com. If you... -A a envelope we will send you some stickers or something. And, yeah so thank you contact uh message me for uh uh address and uh we'll talk to you in the future and uh keep 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 it weird stay squiggly and uh yeah